right. Hello, perspective followers and people out there in the world. This is Martina and Lisette. And welcome to our channel, Perspectives. So, um, as you all know, that have been following and listening to us, Lisette and I are now, you know, uh, like dual creators in a way. We're tag teaming between uh, our podcast and our YouTube channel. So this is another, I think our second video. I mean, not, not video. See, there I go. I'm used to saying video. Our second podcast recording, Lisette, or like... I think this is the second podcast on the topic we're in, but we are, we have a few episodes, I think, in podcast form now. Okay, that's right, that's right, because you were able to translate some over from video to podcast, yeah. which is super cool, by the way. Um, so yeah, I think this this is our second one around white supremacy in the workplace. Uh, we kicked off the first uh, podcast recording a few weeks ago, and as we mentioned, we wanted to follow up and just really continue in the conversation around white supremacy in the workplace and like what does that mean i think particularly for women of color um and as lisette and i were just kind of pre-chatting before we started the recording was thinking about man there's so many different ways that we can go about supremacy in the workplace and some of it is of course is more blatant than others and some of it you know goes back to some of those microaggressions or and i i think because things are just the american work culture and that's the part I can speak from. I can't speak from any other culture, but the American work culture is so ingrained in capitalism and patriarchy and white supremacy, all three things that we're trying to take down. It's yeah. things that you go to work every day and may not even realize that you're operating under this white supremacist umbrella, you know? And it's just mm -hmm. like, we just want to continue that conversation because there's just so much unpacking that we plan to do over the next, I don't know, hour or so, give or take. And um, Lisette, I'll kick it over to you to add any comments you'd like. Yeah, no, I think you brought up such a a great point when we when we think about the workplace and, you know, we, we're, we're looking, you and I are looking through a lens of white supremacy, but you have to take capitalism into account. You have to take the patriarchy into account and how it, it's all three, you know, like, yeah, white supremacy, patriarchy. I think it's like patriarchy and white supremacy are like right there on top and then you have capitalism right underneath it and, and sort of like handling that and, and operating it. And, you know, I think people of color uh, have a, a lens that they sometimes can see it happening like live in front of them and, and know that we're operating or can recognize it. But, you know, I think, you know, white people sometimes don't know and they, you know, go about their days and, and not really recognizing until you know someone points it out you have to explain it to them because they don't understand um and then if you tell them like you know hey you know google's free you can google some more information and get educated that way because uh, it's not i don't want to spend the whole hour or you can go listen to some podcasts out there that will Yes. Listen, listen our podcast. <laughs> our, you know, I, yeah, I don't want to plug in our own episode. But okay, we can you know, I think you know, it's, it's, you know, and I think it's, it's a lot of that, you know, and you know, and like you mentioned, just continuing that conversation, and and just you know, what I think we really want to do is just, you know, put out there our own experiences and continue kind of seeing what we've experience on it and you know one thing that um I think about often uh and it, it's sort of like the I think I see it more often because I am an introvert and I tend to be a lot quieter in meetings um and sort of just listen and, and things like that of just how quickly particularly a white male can dominate a conversation Girl. Right. And and how could they they can just, you know, you already know over her. other women. Oh goodness. Yes. You already know. Yes. I already know. Yes. Uh but you know, and, and I think that was the one thing, you know, I don't think we, we, we didn't get to we didn't chat about this in our in our pre-work that you were doing, but it just kind of came to me because I was like, man, you know, one of the one of the one of the things that happens a lot in the workplace are meetings right? There's always a meeting about something. And that's, for me, that's a lot of the times where I'll see those microaggressions come through, 
or I'll see, you know, really white supremacy come through, especially if there's uh, a lot of either white men or white women who who just kind of want to dominate the conversation or or sort of say their opinion or or make it seem like they're what they're saying is the final word or the most important thing and that everybody else is just wrong and you got to listen to them and that's a lot of white men in rooms that I've been in and meetings that I've been in a lot of those kinds of white men just think that they know everything and can just talk right over you um they will say things like you know hold on it's working to women like hold on let me like I have something to say and then you can say what you wanted to say like that happened to me recently I think I shared this with you Martina where someone yeah where I was in a meeting and I was trying to get into it because it was two white men who were talking to were in this meeting and talking back and forth and I wanted to interject and I was just trying to get in wherever I was like let me just and then one of them was like like oh hold on what's that like I need like let me just say something and then and I was like wait wait a minute like you hold on. You hold on, white man. Thank like you've been talking for the like the last five minutes, ten minutes, saying the same thing. Like let me say something. <laughs> let me elaborate on it. But it happens in so many rooms and so many, you know, meeting rooms and Zoom meetings nowadays, where I'm like, that will, you know, and I think that's a that is the patriarchy and white supremacy combine and you're like as a especially as a woman of color um being able to speak up is so hard sometimes uh to do that but that's just something that I thought about and was like man we spend so much time in meetings that we forget how how much white supremacy culture really dominates in a meeting setting whether it's a zoom or in person and I think too, like, I know exactly that situation and who you're referring to. <laughs> I was in a meeting with that other person last year and there was, you know, we were on a call talking about some things around, uh, of course, COVID. And um, there was a young lady on this call and she was talking, going over some data around COVID and that same white man was basically like, well, hold on a minute. And she's like, no, you hold on. And then she mm. just the conversation. He didn't say anything, but she shouldn't have. Um, so I was like, okay, this is something he's still doing. Okay, he didn't learn. Uh, but this, you know, the person you're talking about, he's been in his role for quite some time. And I do feel like he does perpetuate along with pretty much probably all the other or a number, I won't say all, a number of white people that we work with. Because like you said, it is so ingrained. And that yeah. little slight kind of thing that said whether to a woman or another man, or I think, but particularly women, uh, I think oftentimes men don't often realize, I mean, and maybe they do, I don't know. I'm not a man, I'm not in the mind of a man. Right. But they say that, and then, you know, after the meeting's over, you back kicking and laughing like that never happened. And it's like, but you just cut me off, though. Like, yeah. where's, you know, and they just continue on about their daily lives like nothing happens because nobody calls them on it. And, yeah. you know, me also being an introvert as well, I, you know, it is hard to really, like, I don't want to say stand up for yourself, but to put your foot down. Although I will say, I have begun to put my foot down a lot more in situations that I'm comfortable in because I mean, oftentimes I think uh, women, especially women of color, it's like, how do you know how much to actually defend yourself? Would I have to worry about if you're going to lose your job or get, mm -hmm. or get in trouble for something, you yeah. know, and it's, like, it's like almost like other people can do it, but you can't. Yeah. That's so true. That's so true what you just said right there. Like this idea of speaking up because you are a person of color or, you know, in our instances of, you know, women of color and and this fear. I, I think we honestly we talked about it the last episode, I know we've talked about it in the past, of like that's a, a big driving force, right? Of like why sometimes we don't call people out or why we don't say something in the moment. And then you 
you miss the moment and you can't really bring it back up or you, it's just harder to bring up the you know whatever the incident because there is that fear because the cult the culture of corporate america um or you know institutions that run like corporate america um don't have that that environment right like that environment where it's like hey if there is an issue we will address it it's more of like yeah, let's not quite talk about it or we don't want to like you know offend anyone or you know we're, we're not there yet like let's you know let's figure it out we're just you know all these things and it's it's hard because you should be able to call someone out if they did do something right or they said something that is offensive that it that is you know even if it's just offensive to me i was like hey like you shouldn't be talking to me that way or treat me like a, a child for like trying to speak up or something and i think that's part of i think the patriarchy part of white supremacy of like hey we we know best and you're especially people of color like you are you know you, you don't know anything yet like you you know you're just you know you know second class citizen in, in this space or something and it's like it's tough out there i think it is it, it is tough I, I i noticed your uh insert there of the word childish and <laughs> yes uh, mm -hmm. and yeah so it's shit like that that people will say and oftentimes they may not even say it to your face they go behind yeah. your supervisor or your manager who um you know got to find some diplomatic way to handle the situation and most of the time and often it falls on to you as the person yeah. because the person who whatever they said about you however insulting it they fall it falls on to you to be the bigger person yeah and I'm like, why why and like most of, again we're gonna do it because we're afraid that we're gonna lose our job most of us not millionaires or tycoons so we have to work every day or nine to five for a living and so people are afraid to speak up and i don't i, I feel like company companies i don't really don't know how much has changed since COVID in terms of this i don't know if much changed at all i think if anything the great thing about unfortunately that came out of COVID is that a lot of people have been able to work more remotely and so you don't have to see the assholes that you may see in the office as much as you might <laughs> if you were in the office because you're at home i mean you may still have to be on meetings with them or plan something work on a project or whatnot but you don't have to see them and mm -hmm. that you know has been a wonderful thing for myself i'll just say that mm -hmm. yeah for that mm -hmm. no i think and I, I said child in a previous role someone referred to me as a child and it created this whole um conversation uh of, of, around how someone feeling comfortable enough to call me a child um it was a white individual and didn't even say it to my face that was the crazy part i had, i found out by other means and i was like but they were comfortable with things like that to me is white supremacy um because if you're comfortable to say it to somebody else and you have this idea and you're making me because the only reason that that phrase was even for me was because i actually stood up to something that was wrong i was like whatever you like it's not right you have the wrong idea you have the wrong concept it's not that's not the facts like i'm speaking facts and you're mad because i'm speaking facts and that's where it all went and i think that plays in a lot of times with people of color right i think if you challenge someone's understanding of of the work that we're doing or the, the concepts that we're trying to put together or whatever instead of that person most mostly white individuals taking a moment and being like man that might be right they become defensive they become defensive you know and i think that is steeped in this idea that you know white people have a better understanding they're smarter you know and it's it, may, it's not, it might not even be conscious that they're doing this, but because it's so ingrained in their understanding that people of color are less educated, you know, may not hold 
the same type of degrees that you hold may not have you know all the knowledge of whatever and mind you this incident had nothing to do with like any sort of concept that's out there any sort of subject it was just something that happened that we were just trying to say like no that's not that's not it was a disagreement it was was nothing to do with like i was like this is what was recorded this was the facts this is where we're going like i don't understand what's so hard to understand about this and you know and they had a completely different viewpoint and it's fine but i'm right at the end of the day i was right and other people vouched for my correctness. So I was like, I'm just saying. But it is that idea that if you challenge a white person in a lot of things, they will get defensive and they will most likely try to discredit you in different ways. Uh, and will, you know, say things like, like, oh, you know, you're acting like a child or they don't know what they're talking about. They don't have the same experience I do or things like that. And it's, it's unfortunate because most of the times it happens in behind closed doors and it's rare that you get a glimpse into that and be able to say like, Hey, like, tell me, like, don't go behind my back and, and, and and say that and not be able to hold a conversation. But it is, it's, it's this idea that you are superior than me, whether you're conscious of it or not. To me at that moment, was steeped in that and I remember mentioning it at the time who was my uh, supervisor and they were like they're like well I don't think so like can you explain that to me and I was like oh here I go having explained it and I tried my best but if you're not if you're not understanding it in the sense of like you're not getting it why it's white supremacy when I tell you it's white supremacy then yeah, I don't well, want to explain it to you. Exactly. You don't know how to explain it to them. And they are part of the problem, too. Because, I I mean, I don't know. And that whole thing, like, for, and I know managers, supervisors have, they, like, we all play a role. And, mm-hmm. but I feel like managers who are particularly white or white men or white women, um, I think, you know, they do need to spend more time understanding where their colleagues are coming from who are those of color and the fact that that was just dismissed is to me was some real bullshit but you know again we operate in that white supremacy role so they they're just playing the role that they've been taught and that they they've been learned to but it does it's real fucked up in the instance where if you are a woman especially a woman of color it's hard enough being a woman as it is but if you are a woman of color going to work every day and you do have a complaint or somebody says some shit to you that doesn't sound right, it is most of the time it's like it's going to get ignored. You'll probably get labeled difficult to work with. Right. And, you know, that can have a detriment to somebody's career. And it's like, how often do does this happen to people who are not of color? I'm sure it does. But, like, they don't have the same fear as I would have. If I was to go and like report this person to my supervisor, yeah. or like if I if I went to HR, I would be more afraid because I'd be like, I'm taking a risk here. Um, and hell, it, it may just get ignored. I'm, you know, I may be yeah. like, you know what, Martina, you know, have you tried to think about it from this? No, I don't want to think about it. I don't want to think about this. Mm-hmm. You, why would I come to you? And that's the thing too. Why would you, why would you go to your boss and make up some shit or like? Yeah. You're not just saying this to say it. You're saying it because it happened to you. And mm-hmm. the fact that your boss was like, dismiss it. And like, well, I, I, I don't think so. It's like, okay, well, I can't even talk to you. So I'm done with it. And it, it just, it really sucks. And I, I know you and I were talking a lot of, you know, before this, and we we're talking about, this is why a lot of, uh, you know, millennials and Gen Zers are like, we, you know, we're not doing that traditional nine to five I mean I mean I am I mean you are too but a lot of us are branching away and really having to make our own way you know some of it wrapped up in white supremacy and other of us just like you know we want to be able to enjoy life we don't have to want to wait until we're retired and be able to do everything we want to do like who the fuck came up with that and you know we and I capitalism 
like we get mislabeled as like, oh, you lazy or you don't want to work. Well, you know, sometimes yeah. we, may, we may not want to, you know, but it's like, it's just like a point now. And I think in history as well, especially after hearing about how a number of people have just quit their jobs over the last yes. year, or people, um, let's, you know, uh, have really just tried to like, you know, I, 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 I don't want to do this. Now, those probably are people who, who are more comfortable and mm -hmm. they may have someone that can, you know, uh, they may have a partner that can help them. But uh, although some people may not, they may just be doing it themselves and want something like a fresh start. Um, but a lot of people just like, I'm not, I'm not working this, working all this time for this little bit of money and working on shit that's not going to matter next year. Mm -hmm. I want to enjoy my life or focus on something I'm really passionate about. And I don't know why people are very hypocritical about that and judge folks about it. And I'm like, look, if you got the means to be able to quit a job and do what the fuck you want to do for a little bit, more power to you. More power to you. Figure it out of you. Because, you know, if you're not doing what you want to do, then go off and do something else if you can. And although, like I said, I know Rob realized everybody can't do that. But even... You know, you see now like restaurants, even gas stations, everybody has like help wanted because yeah. folks don't want to work in those in 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 the uh, hospitality industry like that before. Because the, for what this back breaking work for what waitress like they get paid what two dollars on an hour. Mm -hmm. I'm like who the fuck wants to do that? No. Yeah. No. So many things you said, Martina. So many things you said. Oh. No, I said them. <laughs> I want to go back to what you said sort of early on and you were talking about um, particularly when you know people of color bring something up in the workplace and you know you get mislabeled for as you're trying to explain something or whatever they're like oh you know maybe you misunderstood what they meant right or maybe you it's a communication issue or you know and you always have to show proof right this idea that you know like, I don't know, because I'm not a white person. I don't know how many times, you know, people, white people might say something and they don't have to show proof of it happening. And history has shown that white people don't have to show proof. And, you know, people of color, especially black men at some point, just got thrown into jail because a white woman said something. And so it's sort of that idea of, like, it continues on, right? Like, if you're a person of color, like, you have to show proof that something happened. Or you have to explain it or you have to, it, it isn't until someone hears it or sees it in person where you'll be believed, you know, instead of saying like, hey, this was my experience. I'm telling you, I'm not trying to create issues or anything. And it becomes that. And you're like, no, like it's, this is my experience. Believe me when I'm telling you. Yeah. Um, but you just made me think that when you were, were talking about earlier of just how how easily it is for someone to dismiss you if you're a person of color because historically you've always been dismissed you've always been white you know the white viewpoint that comes out on top right and I think that's what a lot of the injustices right now we're trying to say like hey no like especially black women and black men have been accused by by white people and have been thrown in jail with very little proof or no proof at all, no evidence at all. And I think that concept continues on and has perpetuated a little bit our workplace and our everyday lives. And people don't even realize it, that they're questioning something, uh, particularly with the person of color, but uh, women of color, I think a lot of times uh, fall victim to that. And that's why you don't see a lot of white people, a lot of women of color coming up and saying or, or doing things you know, as opposed to a white woman who, you know, might what might cry wolf and everybody believes her and and you know and everybody's like, oh my gosh, like yes, let's do something about it. But you know, you and I have talked about how black women voices aren't always heard. Right. And just kind of thrown or things that happen to black women, but indigenous women or just women of color a lot of times are just sort of dismissed very quickly um in this country. But I just wanted to Kind of connect back to that because you reminded me as you were talking uh early on about that well no i yeah i i think it's just you know it's not just in the workplace women women of color are ignored but it is 
it's very evident there. And we see it, like you said, whether it's in these big occurrences that happen, microaggressions or conflicts that may arise. And it's like, why is it so difficult to believe a mm-hmm. woman of color? Like where I, I really don't understand. I mean, I, the, the history there, like, because most of the time, a lot of uh, women of color, like I, I mean, we don't have a reason to lie about it. Like, so where is that? Yeah. You know, of course, of course, that disconnect is white supremacy, but it's like, why are we still here? Like, why are we still talking about this type of stuff? And I'm just like, wh- why would you make up, like, for instance, with being called a child or being called childish? Um, and that was, I don't think that was told to your face. Like you said, that was said behind your back. Yeah. And I just said, like, wow, that to me comes across as white supremacy. And that, that idea that that, was white supremacy just did not compute with you know with um my supervisor at the time and I was like and they wanted me to explain it and I tried to explain it but it's really hard sometimes to explain it to someone who does not because see the connection right and I remember I think I I remember I think I don't know if it was you or someone I remember talking about it and you're like and they're like yeah like that's white supremacy right there like that's an example of it and I was like Thank you for validating me because I did not feel validated at that point, at that moment in time. Yeah, and stop. You know, I know this again. I know this has been the word of the year, but stop gaslighting people, man. Mm-hmm. I mean, women of color get gaslighted enough and to be like, oh, well, that, you know, it can't be white supremacy. Well, you know what, Becky, you were not in this conversation. And I know that you have to be like, for some reason, you have to feel like you got to represent both sides, but you coming to this person as the employee there's a there's a certain trust there so why would they take somebody else's word over your word and that's like hmm, make me think okay i don't i don't think you're in my corner as much as i thought you were okay okay you're not that's to me and it's like yeah to me that that just that that really it just really pisses me off that this is occurring mm-hmm and then it occurs more often than not, I think, is, is the, the saddening part. And I think when you were talking about, you know, millennials and Gen Z and, and wanting to sort of branch out of the regular nine to five, or, you know, you're not seeing, you know, people taking jobs at gas stations, at restaurants. And like, I've had this conversation a few times with people and I'm like, why would you want to in an in, in an industry that you're not appreciated, you're, especially, you know, if you're, in, you know, in, in, the, in the restaurant industry as, you know, as servers and, you know, people are cursing you out. People are thinking that you should remember everything that they said. If you forget the ranch dressing that they asked you for, instead of saying politely, like, hey, you know, I'm still waiting for it, they get mad at you. And then they take it out on your tip and your tip is your wage. Like that's, you know, what you're getting paid for because you're only getting paid a dollar or two an hour because, you know, you should be okay with it because you're going to make so much in tips. And I'm like, you know, tips aren't all that anymore. Like people aren't tipping like they used to, you know, and people are holding on to their money a lot more. Yep. Because I mean, and not to cut you off because we don't know what's going to happen. Because COVID is still here. Yeah. Uh, we don't know for how much longer. The economy is shitty. It's going to continue to be shitty because of this pandemic. People are being more cautious these days with their money. Yeah. And, and, and it's sort of like this idea that you should be happy with what you get. You know, I think I said this to you, like that is such a patriarchal capitalistic and like white culture thinking of like hey you know what just take what we give you and be happy with it you know you're, you're lucky to just have a job or you're you know, like no like i should be able to demand more especially in a country like the united states that can throw money to corporations and into our military and not throw money into our you know social structures that we need to like yeah no like if I have to go in a non-traditional way like I think you and I were talking about you know these tiktokers that are making millions of dollars Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um 
doing something and, and people looking down on them because they're doing it in a way that's not considered, you know, traditional, like, you know, people not TikTokers that have, you know, the haven't gone to college or anything like that. And it's like, who cares if they're doing something that they actually love and are enjoying and making money off of it, let them like, don't criticize them. Like, who gives a shit? Like, if they're not bothering you, then it's okay. Like, I was like, I don't understand why there's such a, a stigma into doing things, you know, and, and even though the idea, and it's something that I've seen a little bit more recently, and I don't know if it's a thing or not, but when I th- when you think about, you know, being an entrepreneur, um, and you attach that to people of color, there's this, to me, it feels like there's a stigma around that. Like, you know, I think within your communities, like, yeah, people are pushing and, and wanting you, but like, you know, you, I don't know if you see that a lot with within the white community of like, you know, being an entrepreneur now is like, oh no, like you, you need to, you know, get a college degree. This is why you, you should go to college and this whole idea of, of it, I think it shifted into it because you see more people of color kind of being entrepreneurs and, 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 and sort of going out and branching and doing things. And so I've seen very little and I'm like, I wonder if that's just what's the tide. But now you're seeing more people of color being, you know, going into businesses, creating their small businesses and, and things like that. And, I'll, you know, you and I have talked about uh, Black Wall Street and Tulsa and everything and this idea that, you know, Black people were doing it on their own and they were creating this, this starting this generation, something that should have set up generational wealth for, for those individuals. And it pissed well, white people off so much. The if they wouldn't yeah. burned it to the ground, it would have. Yes. You know, and I think about, I think about, you know, this, you know, especially like in Chicago, you have uh, Little Village. I wonder if Little Village and sort of that is the, I think it's still the second most, uh, what is it? It makes a lot of money other than Michigan Avenue, which is the no, big... No, it makes more than Michigan Avenue, I think. It, I, okay. think I, I think it outranks Michigan Avenue. So, but I'm like, if you take that into a rural setting that maybe is not as, you know, friendly to people of color, like, would that be an issue? It's not such a big issue here in Chicago because it's, you know, you do have, you know, you do have Chinatown and you have these things and I know they're trying to do something within the Black community and things like that. But I was like, but if you take that, would they have shut that down in a in a much more conservative and a much more sort of you know place where they're like, oh no, we gotta put a stop to this. We can't have you know these Mexicans making more money than any other place. And I'm like, and I I thought about that uh, and sort of the 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 idea of white supremacy. You don't see it here in Chicago, but take that into somewhere else in in the United States, and you might see it. You might see this. Uh, real hatred towards something like that because history has shown that if it's not white people moving up or holding the wealth or, or being seen as a threat, then you are, you're ill. You're, you know, trying to be done away with because you don't deserve to have that. Um, and there's people that think that. There's people that still think that, you know, people of color in this country don't deserve to be wealthy or rich or have opportunities to be happy. Well, you, again, like, just like I touched on so much, you just touched on so I know. much. Because, like, I think there's something about Black people that white people just, they don't, and again, I'm not trying to generalize, but some of this is a generalization, that mm-hmm. they just don't like to see Black people successful. And I think white people in general, some of them don't like to see any group of minorities, but black yeah. people in particularly, yes, yeah. them off. And the fact that we have communities here, like you said, Chinatown, we have Little Village, um, that are 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 successful. But what's the what's the what's the successful black neighborhood? We don't have one, right? And I think yeah. there's something to be said about that because. White people, it's like I said, white people have a hatred of black folks so much that they have, and Tulsa's not the only example yeah, of, no, of communities 
of prosperous African-American or Black American communities that have been burned to the ground or just completely dissipated off of the map. Tulsa's just the one that most people, even now, the most one most people know of. But it's like there's something there that white people don't want to see Black people succeed. And I don't, I, and it's something, to me, I'm like, this has to go beyond the color of my skin. What is it? I mean, it's just like no other group of people but that is the white and the black. They just hate to see it so much that we haven't had anything like Tulsa since then. I'm sure the people out there have tried. I mean, don't get me wrong. We got successful African-American communities across the country. Um, but one to the scale where we just had blacks out there supporting blacks, um, you know, helping the economy. No, like we, you know, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Um, but they quick to talk about uh, about us gangbanging and going to jail. They talk yeah. about that like everybody's yeah. business. But uh, don't talk about the successful African Americans or Black Americans. And like you said, everybody ain't had to go to school. Like college is not for everybody. It doesn't matter. Um, but you don't. We don't see that here. And I, that to me is like. I mean, obviously, it is a big problem, but it is saying something about the state of this country where Black people, we still are being shed on and still don't want to see that level of success. I mean, obviously, some of this is oppression amongst our own group of people, um, you know, for us not coming together in the ways that we that we should have. But it is, to me, that I think that's so fascinating what you just said, because we don't have, black people don't have anything like a little village or a Chinatown here. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, not not to that scale. We don't. Yeah. And I think to just kind of expand on that is sort of, I wonder what would happen if that that sort of, because right now we're in our bubbles, right? You have here, you probably have a little village and you have Hilton to an extent yeah. now. And, but if you try to expand outside of that and go into some of these wider neighborhoods that's not gonna fly mm -mm. Mm -mm. you know like if you like we've talked about our the boxes right that they put is like okay you can stay in your little village box but we don't want you coming out outside of that box and trying to replicate this or try to bring your culture like you have these boxes that we've all been placed in you know in like Chinatown like Humboldt Park but it's okay if we as white individuals can come into your spaces. You have to accept us at all costs because, you know, we will, whatever, whether you think you're making it better or you have, you know, it's the idea of being a colonizer. Like you just can't, they just can't get rid of that. Like they can come into these spaces, but Lord forbid a black, a brown, any other goes, you know, what do they say? Like, oh, there goes the neighborhood. Yep, there goes the fucking neighborhood. And it's, ooh, I had a point, but I lost the girl. It'll come back. Continue what you were saying. <laughs> no, but, you know, I think just to expand on you, and I think, you know, like, you know, Black communities, and I can only speak of Chicago, because that's my, where I live and where I've grown up, and just to kind of see, you know, communities like Englewood and, like, the West Side, like Austin, and, you know, and things like that, where, you know, they're so criminalized, right? And but if you if you take the time to go into our neighborhoods and our communities that have been stigmatized as violent, you know, and things like that, it's like there's just so much richness in all of our communities. Yeah. You know, there's so much culture that that's coming. We have to celebrate it. Um, there shouldn't be anything wrong with wanting to celebrate the culture that's in all of our communities uh, in doing that. But it's when you know, when white people come and try to be like, you know, what happens when white, when white, when the colonizer comes into our communities that have been traditionally black or brown, property taxes go up, you know, people start being pushed out of their neighborhood that they've been there for 30, 40 years, generations have been part of, you know, in this community because they can't afford to live there. The restaurants start changing. All these things are changing and there's nothing that the people that have been there for you know, generations can do because it's the colonizer way. I have no other way to explain it or sort of 
mistake is it's just, it just happens. It continues to have this colonizer mindset continues to be just part of, of our society. And I, and I think about what you said, like, you know, there's something about white people not wanting to see black people, you know, succeed or just something about it. I think it's that, that generational hatred, right? This generational like hatred is just continue on and the colonizer mindset of like, no, like we should still have control over you. I mean, you see that even with, you know, our indigenous people in this country, like they're still being colonizers, still taking things away from people. And it's like, and then they have the audacity to be like, stop calling us colonizer. We can't. We can't because you're still colonizing it. You still are. Shit, we can't go nowhere. Nowhere. And the thing is, it's like, when we have white people that come into our neighborhood, we welcome them. They don't yeah. do things for us. We welcome them. We don't say, you don't belong here. Although most of us feel that way. Some, some, some do. So I guess some do. I was like, I think some might do. Which, you know what? That's what you get, baby. Because you have oppressed whole groups and nationalities yes. and ethnicities of people, and you still are. So that's what you get. If they don't want you to get the fuck out. But for the most part, minorities welcome white people. We're not mean to them. Like you said, if you try to go out to some place here, I don't know, Lakeview, Old Town, whatever, they want to turn their nose up. Maybe they don't serve you. Maybe they spill something on you. Like, mm-hmm. they are really hateful. And I, they're hateful because, like you said, it is part of that generational hate that yeah. and these misconceptions they have that are still perpetuated today because of white supremacy but it's just so interesting that because i'm just like you remember growing up in church when we would have white people come to the church you know we welcome them with open arms you know it's mm-hmm. like come sit in the front pew like you know now we try to go over to them they're gonna be kind of looking at us funny like why are you here yeah. why yeah, and it's it's such an interesting, it just made me think of like this, how much we as people of color have this idea that we should be welcoming mm-hmm. to them, right? Like that we should be great. Like so, in my head is this idea of like, we should be grateful that they're coming into our spaces, you know, and we should welcome them and, you know, we should be kind and, but it's such a, it's something that it's tied into that white supremacy, right? That 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 idea that it's just that we operate in because you know they are you know quote unquote they are better, right? They will um, make our communities better, and I think that still kind of lingers a lot of it, especially in older generations of like, hey, you know, we gotta, you know, they will, you know, oh, when they're coming in, it's better, like you know they're gonna you know make sure that the, our you know our community is cleaner, and then. And then when we can no longer afford to live in our communities and we get mad, but it's like, we, we kind of allowed it to happen sometimes, or we just didn't have the, the tools and the resources on how to actually fight against it. And I think there's, a, especially here in Chicago, there's a lot of people wanting to figure out how do we allow other people to come into our community without displacing <laughs> The people that live there without you know without it being uh, a way to and i know we've gone way off the workplace but it's all tied into it because you know we these are the same concepts and the same things that we take to the workplace mm-hmm. you know these are all things i mean you know this idea again like i'll go back to this idea that you know that people of color are less educated or you know or whatever it's something i think it's generationally still in our workplaces and especially in the older generations who have to figure out how to operate in in a world where you know that no longer is a a thought that you should be having that's no longer something you should be kind of spewing out anymore like you know everyone is equal you know like everyone has something to say uh and and you can respect that and, and and be welcoming of it, but it's not always like that. No, and you, I know, okay, I'm further going off the topic, but you, I said about the property value. That is true. When people of color come into your neighborhood as a, a white neighborhood, the property value goes down. And I'm like, but who controls that? Who's controlling that? 
Why? Why does it go down? Like, yes, I know people, yeah, we got our thoughts. Yeah, I don't want you here. Get out. But why? Who's controlling that? Like, your property value doesn't necessarily have to go down, but it does. Like, who's right. actually saying, okay, okay, because we got like 10 Asian families and like three Black families, the property value's gone down. Okay. Like, white supremacy policies and structures that have been put in place exactly the policies and structures that have now these ideologies that people have and believe that mm -hmm. and it's like obviously like policies and regulations can be changed baby they've written down we can change them they don't have to say so who's in power who's exactly. in power white people white supremacists are in power that's who's in power and so of or course it continues to be an issue oh my god Make me upset. I does, and don't even get me started on tips. If I could explain tips better, I would get in. See, now we're getting into housing. We're gonna have to do a white supremacy in housing. <laughs> we definitely are. Let us know if you're interested in hearing white supremacy in housing, and because it's, it's. I mean, that's a big one. White like housing is a big one. And well, I mean, I'll reiterate what we also like. White supremacy is so entrenched. The idea and the culture of white supremacy is so entrenched in everything and everywhere that we we operate, and even in the littlest things, like you don't realize it. Um, you know, even like Martina and I will be talking, and we're like, you know what? That is so white supremacy, yeah. and we're like, man, it's just you can't escape it, and it makes it makes me mad. It does, and it just it does piss you off because, like I said, even the things. The littlest of things and the simplest of things, even maybe how you carry out your fucking day. It's mm -hmm. some, some white supremacy up in there. And it's, you know, and I get it, people, you know, people often, because like Lissette and I are, you know, thinking of ways to branch out and trying to get more creative with our platforms. And even, you know, I've had people be like, you know, how can y'all talk about this? These issues are so big. Well, no, yeah. they are. They are humongous. They are, but it's like the same way we got here. We can get un unhere. <laughs> we can, I mean, I, it, it ain't gonna take overnight. We just like, it's an issue. We still talking about white supremacy at hundreds of years later. I mean, so, well, hell, talking about it. I don't know if they were talking about it two, two, three hundred years ago. I don't know. But I mean, yeah, but it's like the same way we got here. I may not live to see big change. But yeah. you have to start somewhere because I always go back to you can't expect things to change if you keep doing the same damn thing. What are you? Mm -hmm. You can't keep bitching about something because what are you doing to make a difference? And it don't have to be like big shit. It can be something small. Like you know, I just mm -hmm. think there's like it ha change is gonna have to come. I mean, the same thing like we're saying like all these people are quitting their jobs. People are just reevaluating their career paths i you know we might see a shift in yeah. in like you know work workplaces we you know i think as more companies realize like what people put up with a year ago they're not putting up with now we're not yeah. putting up with it and companies like some of them are like they have changed we're gonna hold out well baby you hold yeah. out hold out they you know mm -hmm. some folks might but I don't know. I really, I mean, it can still go either way, but I think we just, people have really learned so much about themselves over this last year and what they're willing to put up with versus what they're not. And I just think, you know, we will continue, uh, we will continue to see as, you know. Yeah. As, as we continue. You bring up such a good point. The idea of, you know, companies being like, you know, they'll, they'll come back or they'll figure it out. Like, we don't need to change. We don't need to, I'm like, no, I think this is a point in time where employees have a lot of control and a lot of say of what the future of the workplace could be. Um, because like you said, what people were willing to do a year ago and, and willing to sacrifice, they're not willing to sacrifice. I mean, time with family is something you can never get back exactly you can't you know you can't get back like being able to be there for for a friend or for a family member or whatever like 
at a, at a drop's notice because yeah, you've been working from home and something happens and they're like, hey, no worry, I got you. I'm gonna go help you out and then I can just come back and finish what I have to finish. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so different, I think. And I, and I, I hope that corporate America and and just even other industries realize that. And I think we said this even in our last episode, like flexibility and the and that that is just I think key for a lot of people right now you know they're like no like you want me to give up my time like mm-hmm. time that I'll never get back I was like how many people didn't I mean well we've lost over 500,000 lives in the United States yeah you know and people are like you know people are still mourning those losses like these are family members these are I'm like and a lot of people are like, you know what? It's not worth it, you know, to just, like, it's not worth me grinding till my, you know, last ounce of energy every week for, for something that for an organization, a company that doesn't really appreciate me. You know, people that got let go, right? During this whole COVID thing and they got let go and whatever. And it's like, some of them probably thinking like, you know what? They, I've been working there for 20 plus years exactly. and they didn't let me go for nothing. I'm like, nah, I'm like, why, why would anybody want to go back when you've been, exactly. you've been giving all of your time, all of your energy. And just like that, they let you go. And I'm like, that's so, I mean, it's so true. Like, and now you expect them to come back and, and then not have flexibility, not have, you know, this, you know, hybrid kind of lifestyle that they've been used to now for a year. And you want to take that away? I was like, no. I'm like, I think employees, I mean, we, we, we could have more power if we wanted to. Yeah, absolutely. I'll put it, I'll put it at that. We, we could, we could. And I think, uh, again, it is, it can be hard to stand your ground. And I think really for mm-hmm. women too, uh, especially a woman of color to stand your ground and yeah. you know example like a good friend of mine her fiance he was let go um, and actually I don't know if he uh, I think he still is on the job but now this has been fairly recent over the last few months and he's like you know what I'm fine doing something hourly if I can do what I want to do with my time and my life I'll do something hourly for the rest of my life he said it mm. is and you know that's you know that may shock some people. He said, "I'll make it work. We'll make it work." And you know, because he's like, "I, I don't want to be tied down. I don't want to be constrained, and you know, being tied up to the man, quote unquote." It's like, I, I don't want to. And people shouldn't be made to feel bad for that. Yeah, they shouldn't be. People, the folks, like I said, just so much has changed, and. I mean, like, you know, you and I talk about it really, too, is like what we were willing to put up with a year, year and a half ago, whatever, it's it's changed, you know? I, psh, listen, it's changed. Yeah, and I think about the, the, the power structure, right? Particularly in a in, the, in corporate America and this idea that, you know, your title, right, carries so much weight. And it's like, you know, it doesn't really matter because it didn't, you know, people who were let go during, you know, in the pandemic, yeah. you know, there's people that had, you know, the highest of titles and they still were let go. Yep. Um, it didn't matter. You know, and, and I think that's another piece of this, right? This idea of like, it doesn't matter how high up you get, you know, you're just, you know. They can always ask somebody else. That's, you know, chess board that can just be moved and put somewhere else and just discarded, you know, you know, and, and I think that plays into it, right? And I think a lot of people just saw that, whether you were one that was let go or you saw that happen to somebody else. Mm-hmm. And I think that makes people really kind of take a step back and say like, man, do I really want to spend 20, 30 years of my life, you know, going up this corporate ladder and being let go the minute something seems like it might be hard or you know because a lot I don't know the ins and outs of any corporation or anything but I would assume that you know 
two, three months of this pandemic does not give you reason to think that you can't make it through it. You're just making an assumption that, you know what, I got to let go of people and save my money, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, and, and cut some, cut some people, make sure that's just a little stash. And, you know, and people saw that, you know, whether you were the one and you're the one being let go, or you just saw that and you're like, man, that, I don't think corporate America really understands the impact that that had especially when people needed the help the most. Yeah. And when they they realized that their government wasn't going to help them either, it's a whole thing of like, okay, the job I put in my life to didn't care. My government doesn't care about me. So it's it's really me, myself, and those around me who care about me. That's (laughs) that's really it. and I got to prioritize that. And I got to figure out how can I ensure this never happens to me again. Um, and that's a powerful thing. That can drive people to get on TikTok and figure out how to do it and get a platform, get on social media and, and do that. I, I, I mean, you and I get on TikTok a lot. And I, I've seen so many people who were let go and said like, you know what? And they've run with social media and been able to create successful platforms yes um and, and been able to get their own businesses going like businesses. They, like yeah back to what you said people people have a tendency to want to make fun of like content creators but those people most of them are really good at what they do because it's what they care about and yep. they're passionate about it and it's hard fucking work that that 60 minute or that three minute video or you know, these little snippets we see on Instagram or whatnot, people put a lot of time. What what may you may be seeing for like a 10-minute video on Instagram may have taken somebody a week to do, okay? And they're pushing out multiple ones of those. Like a lot yeah. goes into it. And I think, you know, like, as you know, I've mentioned before, we're getting away from kind of, in some instances, getting away from people wanting to spend their whole fucking life in an office and a fucking desk job. People yeah. want to just explore their passions, whatever that is. And, you know, it, I, you know, a tide is shifting. It, it is. I hope, you know, it continues and it's, and it's a good tide, but it definitely is shifting. And, you know, I, again, like I think it is older generations who not necessarily have been in the boat and want everybody to like, well, I did it. You can did it. Well, look where you're at right now, Barbara. I don't know. Okay. I don't know. But yeah, it's just, the tide is shifting and there's so many, I mean, as sucky as modern technology can be, I mean, modern technology allows you and I to be, <laughs> to be in opposite places yeah. in Chicago and, and record for our channel. So it's just modern technology for all that it's the pain and suffering that it has caused. It has a lot of great things in it too. And so people are, you know, learning more. People are, you know, taking taking online classes to learn how to do stuff. You know, people are really exploring yeah. options to see what else mm-hmm. is out there besides going to work every day for nine o'clock in the morning or whatever. Well, I think this is a good spot to sort of kind of wrap up this episode. Um, I think we, we've touched on something. I think we have a uh, maybe a few more things that we'll touch on uh, on one more episode around, you know, white supremacy in the workplace. Uh, so keep an eye out on the next episode. But, you know, there's just so much. Um, love to know your thoughts and, and, and hear uh, what, you know, you think about what we've talked about. You know, we'll, we'll link our, our social media uh, platforms uh, where you can get a hold of us. Um, and, and sort of whether you DM us, put a comment when we post anything, we definitely want to hear uh, your thoughts around it. But, you know, I, I think this is such an important topic to continue kind of exploring. And like I mentioned, I think white supremacy is, is so ingrained in things, but Martina, I'll kind of let you give the last word and, and sort of close it out. Yes, well, uh, thank you, Lisette, as always, for uh, a wonderful time chatting. Because, you know, this this is like a phone conversation, of course. <laughs> chatting with the world. But, yeah, um, as Lisette said, you know, I think we can get a few more things out that we want to say around 
uh, the workplace and white supremacy. But yeah, and I, you know, I want to again, if there are any feedback or any suggestions, any obviously any books or any articles about this topic or about other topics that we've talked about or even ideas for future topics. I know Lisette and I are working on a little surprise for you all. Um, so stay tuned for that. But um, yeah, I just would say any any sort of feedback, uh, we welcome as long as everyone is uh, is respectful. And so thank everyone for tuning in again and listening to us. And we will catch you all next time. Bye-bye.